going to read to you some psalms to begin with today. I'm going to start in Psalm number 17, verse number 8. Keep me as the apple of your eye. Hide me in the shadow of your wings. And I'd like to go to Psalm 36, verse number 7. How priceless is your unfailing love, O God. And somebody said, amen. People take refuge in the shadow of your wings. Psalm 57, verse number one. Have mercy on me, my God. Have mercy on me, for in you I take refuge. I will take refuge in the shadow of your wings until the disaster has passed. And then Psalm 91, one. This is what I like to tell people when you're in an emergency, just dial 911. Psalm 91.1, whoever dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. Amen. There is one thing that I think that all of us have in common in our lives, and that is that we all, we all cast shadows. Your father cast a shadow in you. And we all have a mental list as we think about our fathers, our, our, maybe our parents, if you will, of what we will never do that they did. We may never tell them the list, but we have the list nevertheless. I'll never sit in the chair like my dad did flipping through the channels, which that's really not true because I was the flipper in the house. You know what I'm talking about, right? Um, while he just kind of rolled his eyes. I'll, I'll, I'll never speak to my kids the way that my dad spoke to me. I'll never fill in the blank. You make the list and then you have kids and you start the process of aging and it's amazing, you begin to realize how large of a shadow that your father has cast in your life. And now the shadow that you lived in is the shadow that begins to live in you. Rest assured, though, your children will also have, have a list. <laughs> On the other hand, maybe the shadow of your father was, was, was incredibly wonderful. Maybe it was supportive. Maybe the shadow was reassuring. And you have a list, a list of positive things, of the shadow of your dad, of your father. And you might have told him, you might not have, but these are things that you want to emulate, things that you want to repeat. I will trust in the Lord like my dad did. I, I will work hard. I'll show up. I'll give it my all like my dad did. I will, and then fill in the blank. And I know for some of you, that's a happy thought because your father spoke life-giving, life-affirming words into your existence. He was encouraging. And for that, I say, praise God for your experience. But for some of you, it was not a great shadow as these young people so eloquently pointed out in their readings this morning. Maybe the shadow of your dad was a shadow of tension in your home or a shadow of frustration or addiction or maybe explosion in your home and, and maybe toward other, other people. Maybe your father was absent but I want you to listen to me for just a second. That doesn't mean that you have the absence of a shadow. It means that you have a shadow of absence. You, have, you are living in the shadow of your parents, of your father. 
whether you are grateful for that or not grateful for that, whether you accept it or you deny it, shadows leave imprints. And while I wish I could change the past for those of you that had it rough, what I wanna talk to you about today is there are people that are living in your shadow right now. There's really three different categories of people than the shadow that they're living in. There are people living in my shadow by sheer proximity, just by proximity. They have no choice. My children had really no choice. I brought them, we brought them into the world, right? So they were living in our home. So they're living in my shadow. My wife said, I do 33 years ago. And she's, she's living in my shadow. My friends, my coworkers are live. They work with me. So they're living in my shadow. It's kind of proximity. Then there are people that aren't just by proximity, they're close to you, but there are people that strategically want to live in your shadow. They, they love you, they like you, they, they, they place themselves in your shadow under some of your influence in your life because that what you have is attractive or kind of catalytic in their lives. They wanna hang with you and they wanna be close to you. So the people that are in our shadows by proximity and there are people that are in our shadows strategically and then there are people that are in our shadows just kind of accidentally, right? I mean, you go get coffee and, um, at the coffee shop and uh, seven weeks in a row, the same barista was there every time you're there and you're like, man, this is, this is accidental. Maybe, maybe it's divine. I'm not sure. But you're like, hey, Haley, how are you? It's like, we know, no, you don't know each other, right? It just happens to accidentally be in your shadow. Or maybe you go to work out, you go to the gym and you, know, you want to get on your treadmill, you want to get on the, the bench press and, and, and the, the same person is there. And you're, I mean, even change your schedule up because life happens and you go at a different time or you go on a different day and it just seems like every time you go, that same person is there and this, near the same machine that you want to use and you're like, this is an accidental uh, shadow experience that you're having in your life. Or maybe it's, maybe it's divine, maybe God is orchestrating it. What I'm trying to say is, or proposing to you today, is that God's intention is for us to have impactful shadows. Whether those shadows are by proximity, or those shadows are by or strategically, people want to be in your shadow, or just the, the shadows are accidentally. God wants your shadow to be impactful. God wants you to be influential in your life. And so I want to talk to the dads particularly, but everybody in this house, I want to lay in your lap two things this morning to consider when you look at your shadow. Number one, your shadow has influence, whether you want it to or not. The shadow that you have has influence. It's either intentional or it's unintentional, but no matter what, your shadow has influence when it's cast in other people's lives. I'll give you a couple of examples. Let's say you wanna go to the beach and you'd like to enjoy your time at the beach and you and your, your spouse are there and you're looking for a shade tree because it's a hot day at the beach and you can't find a shade tree. And so, and so you know, you, you decide, well, I'm just gonna, why don't we just sit here? And then you position yourself between your wife and the, and the, the son so you become the shade tree. That's an intentional shadow. That's a, that's a kind thing to do, right? I remember one time I was... I'm not a camper, right? I'm not really that at all. I, I, I mean, I, I like watching it on TV uh, from the hotel room, but I'm not really a camper, right? So, so pe pe people, I went camping with the, what's called the Royal Rangers. It's like the Christian version of, of Boy Scouts. And I was invited to go as a, as a commander, as a leader. Basically, they just wanted me to watch them so nobody died. And I'm watching the kids while all the real Royal Ranger commanders are doing things with them. They're earning badges and all this stuff. Well, one of the commanders was teaching the kids. This is back in the early or the mid-90s. Um, uh, one of the commanders was teaching the 
uh, the kids how to make a campfire with a magnifying glass, you know? And, and I'm, I'm watching all the little ones and so nobody's drowning in the creek, so I'm looking, looking over here, and apparently I'm standing between the sun and, and the person who's trying to, I just kind of wandered over there, and they're like, you know, Troy, get out of the way. All right, fine, you little munchkins. I hope you burn your, no. Uh, anyway, so I, I got out of the way, and, and because my shadow was unintentional, but it got in the way of the ob- object of what they were trying to accomplish, their goal. Here's what I know, here's what I know. When you live a life that is a pure reflection of Jesus, in you, people who stand in our shadows, whether it's intentional or it's unintentional, are gonna be positively influenced by your shadow. This isn't gonna be on the screen, but I was, those of you that are in, um, you come Thursday night, if you don't come Thursday night, you need to come to Bible Strong. It's an hour, six to seven o'clock right here. We have a great time studying God's word, but one of the things that we're doing is we're going through the book of Acts and we're reading it multiple times, trying to understand and digest it and, and really get into it. We're being challenged to read the book of Acts once a week all the way through for 11 weeks. So you read it 11 times. That's a lot of reading or listening or however you're doing it. Even if you get through it one time in 11 weeks, I'd be very happy. We're just reading the word of God and we're studying. In Acts chapter five, there's an interesting story about Peter. Um, Peter, um, who on the day of Pentecost, uh, you know, received the Holy Spirit, began to speak the word of God boldly, began to preach the word of God, and thousands of people came to know Jesus in just that one single day. And then a couple thousand came to know him a few days later, and Peter was being used by God in, in amazing ways to heal the sick. One time he was walking through the community, and he was, they were going to pray for people, but not everybody could be prayed for with laying out of hands. So they, in Acts chapter five, verse number 15, people were dragging the sick on their mats just outside. So as Peter walked by, his shadow would cast on them and they would be made well. They would be healed. Not because he had some magical abilities, but because his shadow had a positive influence. I'm not saying that your shadow is going to heal the sick or raise the dead, but what I am saying is that's, that's a physical shadow. I'm talking about the shadow of your life, the influence that you have. If it's a pure reflection of Jesus, people are going to be positively influenced. But, but when you begin to live a life that is compromised, your shadow becomes foggy. Your shadow becomes confusing. And the sad thing is the people who are in your shadow, whether it's by proximity, your family, or whether it's by strategically people who want to come under your shadow, or maybe it's accidentally, every one of those people are also going to be negatively impacted, and they're going to become confused. They're going to become foggy, and they're going to begin to drift as well. There is a ripple effect to the choices that we make in our lives. Our children and our grandchildren are living in our shadows. They are influenced by us. It's huge gigantic responsibility. So I said, your shadow has influence, whether you want it to or not. And then number two, your shadow reflects the truth, the truth of your life. Your shadow can project differently depending on where the light is being cast. If it's being cast from up high or down low, if it's close to you, farther away, your shadow can, can project you to be taller or shorter or wider or skinnier. But there's a big difference between a projection and a reflection. The shadow I'm talking about today is a reflection which reveals the truth, not a projection that changes with varying light. The truth is, some of you are kind of miserable right now because you're comparing your reflection to somebody else's projection. What am I talking about? I'm talking about uh, TGIF, right? Twitter, Google, Instagram, and Facebook. That's what I'm talking about, right? Yeah, I'm I'm talking about social media. 
it, it, can be, it can steal your joy. I mean, it can be used for good, but it, it can also be used for... Some of y'all spend way too much time. And, and what's happening is you're getting depressed and downcast because you're letting somebody else's projection influence you when it's not actually a reflection. Um, you see, you see they're a, a, a happy family. You're seeing a projection. You might not be seeing the reflection. You see, a, you see a people that are at a restaurant, you're like, I went to that restaurant and I didn't have nearly as good of a time as they're having because you're seeing a projection. You're not seeing a reflection, right? You didn't see what happened after they put the phone down, right? Um, um, you, you know, it's, it's, uh, everybody's like, oh, foul face in the selfie. And then you're back to foul face again. And that's a, that's a projection. It's not a reflect. People take pictures of their food. I don't want to see pictures of your food. I'm not interested. I really don't care. Um, Unless you're a chef, right? And then it's kind of okay, whatever, but you're wasting. Okay, so so people take, what you're seeing is you're seeing the whipped cream and the cherries and the sprinkles and you're seeing the frosting. Yeah, you're seeing a projection, but you don't know if that cake is dry as, you know what I'm talking about? You don't know if it's got dung and you don't know what's in that cake. You don't know because you're seeing a projection. You're not seeing a reflection. And, and the actual reflection is the truth. What is the reflection of your soul? Are you growing in the Lord? If we take, if we take last year, Father's Day, and this year, Father's Day, have you gotten any better? If you look back one year, just one year, are you closer to the Lord? Are you more attracted to God? How do I know, Troy? Well, I want to read his word. I want to pray. One of the, the first thing I go to was when I'm in trouble or I've got a question, I don't know what to do, is, is I don't Google it. I go to God. God, what, what do you want me to do? Maybe he'll direct you to Google. I don't know. But you'd go to God first, right? And that's how you know if you're growing. In the, are, am, I more, am I more self-controlled today than I was? I'm not talking about perfection. I'm talking about... Are you, getting, are you getting better? Are you controlling your temper more today than you did a year ago, right? These are, that's the reflection, the truth of your soul. People that stand in your shadow will never experience compassion if it doesn't come from the reflection of a heart of compassion. It's the truth inside of you. Your shadow will never be a fountain of kindness if it doesn't come from a reflection of a heart that's filled with kindness. Your, your shadow will never permeate the love of Jesus if it doesn't come from a reflection of a heart that's filled with the love of Jesus. Y'all with me today? Understand? Yes? So I said, your shadow has influence, whether you want it to or not. And I said, I said your shadow reflects the truth of your life. And if both of those are true, and I believe that they are, then I have a question for you. How, how do I have a healthy and impactful shadow? See, I don't want to just be a church, and I won't think we ever have been, just a church that simply tells you what to do. You know, um, there you go, there it is. But we want to try to address the question, according to God's word, how do I do that? 
what must I do to be saved, right? There's a questions that are asked in the word. What do I need to do to have a healthy and impactful shadow? Some of your shadow sucks right now. It's just not a real healthy shadow, right? The shadow that you're casting in your life is a shadow of confusion to people around you. Maybe here, you're nice and kind, but at home, oh, it's a whole different world, right? Maybe, maybe um, uh, your shadow is a, is a shadow of, of friendliness and, 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 and extrovert, and, but, but at home, you just kind of go, in, go into yourself. Maybe, maybe it's confusing. Maybe it's, it's, it's frustration or maybe it's disappointment or discouragement. What's the answer to the question, Troy? Well, a healthy and impactful shadow comes from trusting God's ongoing work ongoing work in my life. I would like you to turn in the Old Testament book uh, to Jeremiah, the book of Jeremiah chapter 18. Let's open it up. Jeremiah chapter 18. And in Jeremiah chapter 18, we have this story of, 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 of what is happening through a vision that Jeremiah has from the Lord. Jeremiah chapter 18, I'm just gonna read the first three verses. This is the word, boy, sorry, I'm going through puberty again. This is the, <laughs> this is the word that came to Jeremiah from the Lord. Go down to the potter's house and there I'll give you my message. So I went down to the potter's house and I saw him working at the wheel. Now we'll stop for just a second right there. God says to Jeremiah, I want you to go to the potter's house and I just want you to look. That's what I want you to do, Jeremiah. The instructions are pretty simple, Jeremiah. Go to the potter's house, and I want you to look, and there I'm gonna to speak to you. And Jeremiah gets there, and what does he do? Well, the Bible's pretty clear. Jeremiah looks, and he looks at the potter. He's looking at the potter. But God's like, no, 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 no. That's the problem with you, Jeremiah, and with all of humanity, is you're keeping your eyes, you're keeping your eyes looking at the potter because you think that you are the potter. You think that I'm trying to show you that you're the potter. You're looking at the wrong thing, Jeremiah, because you're self-absorbed. <laughs> Jeremiah, don't you understand? I, Jeremiah, am the potter, and you, Jeremiah, you're the clay. This, this, is, this is what you are, Jeremiah. I am the potter, and you are, you are the clay. Um, so don't get it misunderstood, Jeremiah. I need you to know who you are in this illustration I'm giving to you is, is, is you're, you're, you're the clay. Hmm. Jeremiah, I'm the one holding the master plan to your life. And Jeremiah says, well, I don't like what you're doing with my life. Like some of you are saying right now, and here's exactly what God does. Are you ready for this? God is forming you. He is shaping you. He is doing something in the season in your life. And you're like, I don't like what you're doing with my life because God is a perfect gentleman. I said, God is a perfect gentleman. Because he's a perfect gentleman, he'll be like, all right. And he'll set you aside for a little while. And, and here's, here's the danger. Clay is only pliable for so long. See, if you're not gonna be willing to allow the potter to have control in your life, then he'll leave you in the shape that you're in. He'll give you over to your sinful desires until you change your mind. But I'm telling you, clay is only pliable for so long. So what are you saying, Troy? The way we have a healthy and impactful shadow is to stay yielded in the hands of the potter. Amen. 
Dads and everyone, when people look at you, do they see the, the fingerprints of the Father in you as he's, as he's working your life? Because if they do, I guarantee you that your shadow is gonna have great impact because you've been impacted by the hands of the living God. Verse number four. Y'all with me this morning? But the pot he was shaping from the clay was marred in his hands. So the potter formed it into another pot, shaping it as seemed best to him, not shaping it as what seemed best to the clay. The clay doesn't have a vote in how the clay is going to be shaped. The potter is the one who gets to shape the clay. And if at first he shapes you and he wants to change you and he wants to shift things around in your life, then he's in charge. Verse number five. Then the word of the Lord came to me. He said, can I not do with you Israel? Now, when it says Israel, God is speaking to the nation. But I'd like you to substitute your name in there instead of Israel, okay? So as we read this. Can I not do with you Israel as this potter does, declares the Lord. Like clay in the hand of the potter, so are you in my hand, Israel. If at any time I announce that a nation or kingdom is to be uprooted, torn down, and destroyed, and if that nation, I warned, repents of its evil, then I will relent and not inflict on it the disaster I had planned. And if at another time, I announce that a nation or kingdom is to be built up and planted. And if it does evil in my sight and does not obey me, then I will reconsider the good I had intended for it, or I had intended to do for it. God is in control. And he gets to decide based upon our obedience, our reverence, and our pliability. How pliable are we? Because the danger for us as clay in the hands of the potter is we must remain soft on the inside. If our heart becomes hardened, you cannot be reshaped into what God wants to reshape you into because your heart has become hard. This pot right here, this clay pot has been shaped. It's already hardened. It cannot be reshaped. We can... We can spray paint it. We can tie a bow around it. We can stencil something really pretty on it. But at the heart of it, it's still exactly the same thing. You will not change its core because it's hard in the middle. So the story goes on. Jeremiah, I love this because I'm an illustrated message guy. Jeremiah gets an illustrated message from God. God says, hey, go back to the potter's house and get a pot. So he goes back to the potter's house. He says, call all of Israel together. So he calls them together. And he basically says, this pot, yeah, this, this is you, Israel. This is exactly what you are like right now. You're, and they're probably looking at going, well, that's not a bad looking pot. And he throws it down on the ground. He says, that's exactly what's going to happen to you. And you're supposed to fill your name in when I say Israel. That's what's going to happen to you because you become hardened on the inside and you haven't yielded your life to God. And that cannot be put back together again is the illustration that God gives 
Well, let's, let's look at it. Chapter 19, look at verse number 10. Then break the jar, that's what God tells, tells Jeremiah. While those who go with you are watching and say to them, this is what the Lord Almighty says. I will smash this nation and this city just as this potter's jar is smashed and cannot be repaired. They will bury the dead in Topheth until there is no more room. This is what I will do in this place. Now I want you to jump down, if you would please, to verse number 15. This is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel says. Listen, I'm gonna bring on this city and all the villages around it, every disaster I pronounced against them because they were stiff-necked and would not listen to my words. When, when we are under the shadow of God, you're under his protective covering. You know that this week we had a tragedy here at this campus. And you've read the articles and the stories and I was here. Uh, thank God I was the only staff person here when the accident took place. And um, watched the little ears in the room, but when the truck driver was, uh, as you know what happened to him, when he was uh, shot on the freeway, and they still don't know exactly what happened, but apparently another incident took place just like this last week. And so they don't know what this means. And all the authorities and all the CBI and the California Bureau of Investigation, all the agencies were here. And they had the whole place taped off. This morning I should have, off the playground, should have taken down the crime scene tape, but it was even taped to our playground all the way around. The truck, after that incident took place, he veered off, um, went through the fence, over the curb, through the ditch, through the fence, went through Harlan Road, went through a tree and a half, uh, and through a post that was out there, through two parked cars, still collided and went into the building, doing significant damage to the front of the building. And, and, and he was already gone. Nobody else got hurt, which is the protective power of God. Because... Um, Everybody reflects at times like this. But if, if somebody didn't park their car in that parking space, from what I understand, the waiting room was full of the building that it crashed into. But those two cars that were totally destroyed somehow were stopped so that nobody inside the building, that could have been devastating. What I'm saying is, and we're praying for the family of, of the... I'll tell you, your church was used on, on, on Thursday. I had it all set up for Bible Strong, our, our Bible study. And, and I'm the only one in the building because it all taped off. And I'm like, I'm not leaving until they tell me. I've got things to do today. Um, I won't go out there and disturb their scene, but I've got things i got to get done. And I called all the staff and said, don't come in today because you can't get here. From yeah, it was, Everything was closed off. Um, and then next thing I know, one of the officers came in. I thought, oh, boy, here we go. He's going to tell me I need to leave. And he's like, hey, can we, can we use your lobby? I said, no, 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 come, uh, this is air conditioning. Come in here, because I mean, it was hot out there. I said, I've got it all set up for Bible study. We canceled it. You guys, 20 of them, maybe more, came in here. And they're, they, I gave them the whiteboard. We gave them coffee and tea and all kinds of things. Well, everything we had here, we tried to serve them with. And, and, they're, and at one point, I was in, in this office. And at one point, I had to walk through. I said, guys, I'm sorry, I gotta go through. They're, no, pastor, you can come through. Just don't tell the press anything you hear. I'm like, no problem. And then they said, they said we're struggling. Um, we, maybe... Ask the big man upstairs, is what one of them said, for some help. I said, well then, guys, let's pray right now. And they removed their hats and bowed their heads. 
and we, we prayed and we asked for God's divine strength and wisdom and power and help us to see what we can't see beyond our experiences and our, and our education and our wisdom. God, we need answers to this. And I need you to help these men to know and women to know what it is they're supposed to do, which direction to turn. In Jesus' name, you know, amen. And I heard a couple of them, amen, amen. I'm like, praise the Lord. I'm, I believe, I believe. And we even checked our cameras that we have outside, but we missed it by two minutes each way because they're at the motion act. They didn't, wait, we weren't able to help them with that, but um, we, we tried. And at the end, as I'm leaving at seven o'clock at night, I, I said, guys, I gotta go, but you know what? I'm gonna leave the building unlocked. You guys stay as long as you want. They didn't. They didn't end up leaving until about 8.30 the next morning. It was an overnight thing. It was a big deal. Drones above. They said in about two hours of the drones being above, we'll be able to recreate this entire scene of when the truck left the freeway because we got the tire tracks and all the measurements. Everything's done. It's all algorithms. It's put in there. We'll be able to see exactly um, in 3D on the screen exactly what happened. I'm like, well, that is sophisticated. And you're seeing these drones and helicopters from all the news channels. And it was just crazy stuff. Seven o'clock, I said, I have to leave, but I'm gonna leave the building unlocked and you guys stay as long as you want to. And they're like, no, no, no. I said, listen, I'm, I mean, it's full of police. <laughs> Who's gonna rob the place? I'll leave it unlocked for it. Um, and they're like, well, we, we, we can't, it's against the rules. So I said, well, I'm really sorry, I have to go. So I walked out with them. A Couple of them hung out with me by my motorcycle outside talking to me for a while, connecting on the fact that we're both grandparents. And, and uh, one of them said to me, he said, he, said, I, I, he lives like a mile from his grandkids. I'm like, that's awesome. That's about, I live like eight houses from some of mine and two miles from the others, and it's exciting. And, and he's like, yeah, I, said, I told my daughter, if you get, she's thinking about taking a job somewhere else. And he's like, well, that's cool. He said, so where are we moving? Because I'm moving too. <laughs> I'm, so we connected. And at the end, I'm like, um, I think you must, you must be a believer. You're a believer. He said, oh, I go. They told me what church he goes to because they're all from Sacramento area. I came down. Prayed with him outside by my motorcycle. God would strengthen his family and protect him because this was the fifth in four days of shootings that they were dealing with. God, God's hand of protection was here. As much as it's devastating and tragedy what took place, and it is, it could have been, could have been a whole lot worse. I bet if we went around this room today and told stories of car accidents that we were in and how it could have been worse or a close calls that we had, how it could have been worse. God's hand of protection is there, but God declared, I'm gonna remove that covering. I'm gonna take that covering away. I want you to know that this is the Old Testament word of God. The New Testament is the time that we're living in. Praise God. And, 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 and in the New Testament, we live in a time where God grants us forgiveness. He grants us second chance to infinity, right? Uh, he, he grants us, um, well, he grants us uh, 70 times seven forgiveness, right? In other words, he's saying, I'll forgive you as often as you'll be repentant uh, and try to turn from your wicked ways. And God grants us forgiveness and grace through Jesus. In fact, it was, it was Jesus who said to Paul in 2 Corinthians 12, 9, my grace, my, my, my grace is sufficient for you. In other words, if your heart is hardened, there's still time. There's still time. There's, there's, it's not forever because there will come an end. Either you'll breathe your last breath or the Lord will return. But, but there's still there's still time and he he grants us forgiveness and grace through Jesus so what are you saying Troy well I'm I'm saying I know it's hard I know it's really difficult for some of you right now and this might be what you feel a little bit like you're you're being you're being just smashed and you're just being torn apart it just it feels so uncomfortable and you're like I, I don't like this at all the only way you keep clay pliable 
is to work it. And God is working all things in your life together for good. But it doesn't feel like it all the time. It feels like you're being broken in two, and it feels like you're being smashed around, and it feels like it, your life is completely out of control. I'm telling you, stay pliable. Keep your heart soft before God, because you are not equal with Jesus. He is Lord of all, and he has the right to do with you what he wants to do. Our job is to trust that what he's doing is he's making it work together for our good. So let me recap. Two things about your shadow. Your shadow has influence. It does. And, and your shadow reflects the truth, and it does. So how do I have a healthy and impactful shadow is my question. And the answer is a healthy and impactful shadow comes from trusting God's ongoing work in my life. This is the thought I want to leave you with. Do you want to leave a legacy of pain and disappointment and frustration? Or do you want to leave a legacy of affirmation and encouragement and support? Because you get to choose the impact of your shadow. Father God, thank you for your word. It will never return void. God, we want more than anything to live upright godly lives before you. We want God to please you. Lord, we have all of our desires in our lives and our wants. God, may we set those aside and say, I am not the potter. I am the clay. And I give you permission to work me. I give you permission to shape me. I give you permission to change the trajectory my life because I am not the potter I am the clay and as long as your fingerprints are on my soul I know that I'm in the right place at the right time for such a time as this so today God we ask that you would help us remain soft and pliable in our hearts toward you, not to look to the left and not to look to the right, but keep our eyes squarely fixed upon you, the author, the finisher, the perfecter of our faith. If your declaration of faith today is your eyes are closed, if your declaration of faith is God, I will remain soft in my heart toward you. That is my vow. I will remain pliable in the hands of the potter. If that's you, would you just slip your hand up with me this morning and say, God, that is me. I will remain. I will remain. I will remain soft in the hands of the potter. God, grant it. Help us in every way we pray. In the holy, awesome, precious name of Jesus Christ. And everybody said amen and amen and amen. Praise the Lord.